You're listening to 1590 afterwards, and I was thinking on my way to the studio today about uh, a coach that the 49ers used to have. His name is George Seifert. George Seifert was one of these really wacky, superstitious dudes, and he would not step on the 49ers logo anywhere at the practice facilities, at any of the, the, you know, on the field, any of that kind of stuff. And so it kind of got me thinking about superstitions and superstition has been part of all sports for as long as recorded history has been there. Yep. A lot of people have baseball is classic, but every sport has something. And when you're in a rhythm, the whole idea of not shaving that comes up and things like that and just keeping everything the way it is. Oh, yeah, the hockey. The, was it the what do they call that? When the, the hockey, playoff beards. Yeah, the playoff beards. And it seemed like I don't know if hockey originated, but it, it does seem like way more people have the beards now in all sports mm-hmm. than before. And I know hockey players were growing them like mad for quite a few years. But there are superstitions everywhere. Yeah. That's, hockey is another one where I see the, the, the people who've been in hockey for a while, they all do things a different way and they try to teach the kids. It's kind of, it's kind of a funny thing when you see just how, how people buy into these superstitions. And one of the things about baseball with this pitch clock – you know, before a player would step out, he'd do oh, yeah. this, do this, pull on a thing, pull on a thing, and get back in. I wonder if that's messed up some people's rhythm because of what their, you know, protocol was every time they jumped out of the box. Well, I'm sure you've taken BP before, and you know that if you don't feel right, like if everything doesn't feel perfect, then you know for a fact that you're not going to hit the ball the way you want to. It just doesn't work that way. So it's got to be a challenge for people. you got to speed up your little routines like you're saying you got to touch your necklace and you know smack the back of your thigh or whatever it is you do <laughs> remember in uh bull durham i i think was that the one with the tapping the bone on the bat or was that major league which one was it? he holds out his bat and the guy the guy taps it i think that might have been major league yeah it, but those are the things that that people do and it's the thing that has made uh the trades the babe ruth oh yeah trade, things like that yeah the goat yeah, the baby. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy one because that curse lasted for a really long time, and everybody believed in that curse. And if everybody believes in it, then who's to say it's not true? You know. And when you screw it up, I was at the raceway with Jim Naylor, best little dirt track in America. This is quite a few years back, and I looked up and I was on mic, and I went to say, "Hey, look, a full moon!" And he grabbed the mic and he shakes his head. I, I what? And he turns the mics off and he goes, "You never talk about a full moon on race night." Wow. And I wanted to go full moon, full moon, full moon. But then I thought because I'm not a big guy that's into that type of um, thing, superstition. Mm-hmm. But he looked at me and he he looked like rather intense on this. You do not bring it up, and that that's a, a racing thing. What are two things that uh, comedians aren't supposed to talk about on the road trips? I don't know. You're not supposed to talk about how good the weather is because that can change in a heartbeat. And you're not supposed to talk about how good the traffic is because almost every single time you start to say, hey, traffic is great. <laughs> oh, we're making good time. Guess what? It's, it, it, it's something about it. So that's like a superstition that carries on pretty much with every road dog comedian I know. You're not allowed to talk about it. One in the ballet, which I did a couple of times uh, with uh, the theater here in Oxnard, the OPAC. I did the Nutcracker. And one thing they would say to you before you got on, they'd walk up, Mared, Mared, Mared. And it's like, Mared, and you look and somebody says, you know what Mared is? Mared is horse poop. Oh. It is horse poop. Thank the you. The reason why you say Mared in the early days of the theater 
in Europe, if there was a lot of horse poop on the road, it meant a lot of people brought up their carriages to go to the show. Okay. So streets without horse poop, oh, the place is bombing. So mared became the thing that you said you wish you wish horse poop. And that's, that that's actually comes out through uh, through dance. I love that. Yeah. That's so Mary. great. So just say it to somebody, and when you say horse poop, you're actually wishing them very, very good luck. You remember my buddy Tom McGillan, who I toured with quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Well, he does a little guitar thing and does some voice things, so he has to go do soundcheck, and he always wanted me to go hang out with him at soundcheck. And if soundcheck went really good, then he was worried that he wasn't going to have a good show because he said he, uh, he had a – it, it, the phrase was uh, – it was great uh, our great practice, shit show, or shit practice, great show. And mm-hmm. that was pretty much what his whole thing was. If, 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 if the rehearsal goes great, then it's not going to be a great show. But if the rehearsal was terrible, then that means you've saved those great moments for the actual show itself. It's kind of funny, but, it, but that's a definitely superstition. Now, I heard with Saturday Night Live, we talked about on the uh, last podcast, that a lot of uh, people said – uh, good in rehearse in front of the crowd, bad on the air. But they also said bad in rehearsal, bad on the air. Mm-hmm. So th- there was a double hit there where you say, wait, then what, what good can come? How paranoid are you people? <laughs> right. So in other words, there is no possible <laughs> success. And they said Norm would tell every joke that bombed. He was oh, just, and he was that guy. And he says, I love the joke. It's on. He didn't care. He didn't care if he got a reaction. Saturday Night Live is kind of like a little microcosm of New York comedy, man. You got the the almost like the intention to be miserable. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's it's if you if it's great in rehearsal, it's going to be bad. If it's bad in rehearsal, it's going to be bad. We're just not going to be happy. And that's kind of like the the knock on New York comics is that everything's kind of doom and gloom. Another thing that I found out uh, when I was in the theater, the thing you don't say when you're in a play. You don't mention Macbeth, Shakespeare's oh. play. It's said to be cursed, so actors avoid saying its name when in the theater. The euphemism is they'll say the Scottish play. That's what they do. Actors also avoid even quoting the lines from Macbeth before performances, particularly the witch's incantations. Well, duh. Oh. Outside of theater and after a performance, Macbeth is a curse for the theater. Maybe that's why my comedy career is not taken off. Yeah. Too much Macbeth. The other thing, break a leg. Why do they say that in the theater? See, now I thought that it was because of like the curtsy or the bow, but then I heard that maybe it wasn't because of that. It is because of that. Oh, it is. It is breaking your knee. People think break a leg is because when Booth, after uh, assassinating President Lincoln, jumped and apparently severely injured himself, like hurt his leg, so it made it harder. So it was good luck. It is the bow. It is the bow and breaking of the knee. That, that's why uh, we say break a leg. I like that way better than jump yeah. and take a bullet in your leg. Yeah, that's it. And that's, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's the curse. So I'm trying to think of my life, if I have anything, you know, like step on the, you know, step on a crack, break your mother's back. Right. Any, anything like that. Three on a match. That's actually from the military, from what I understand. It, the old thing, if you were out and uh, you lit a cigarette, three cigarettes off of one match, say, no, not three on a match. You know why that came? Mm-mm. This is great. I hope it's true, but this is a great story. So you're in a foxhole. You got your cigarette. You light your cigarette. You light the guys next to you. You light the third guy. The feeling is, first one, they see the light. They sight. Second one, they get an idea. Third one, they pop. Oh. That it takes, so three on a match meant you were giving yourself too much exposure to the enemy. 
Three on a match. Interesting. That's very good. Three on a match is bad luck. How, you're going to have to smoke later, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Yeah, light your own and wait a few minutes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but that's uh, three on a match is, is another bad luck thing. Again, I don't know of any superstition I might have. There could be one looming there. Yeah. I just don't know, but I don't think I, I have that. Yeah, I don't think I have like any general like we're like as a rule everyday superstitions. Maybe th- there might be things that pop up that where you're you know I'm gonna I a would, jersey you might wear watching a game or something. Is there anything like that? Well, I did have you know actually it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because I did have a, a a long period of time where I didn't want to wear 49ers jerseys on stage because. I don't know if I felt like it jinxed them or like, but I just felt like a bad vibe when I'd watch the game after wearing the jersey, and so I started wearing my favorite players instead of the instead of my favorite team. So I would wear like Lawrence Taylor from the Giants and Reggie White from the Eagles, and I would just wear all these great players that I'd you know seen play and all that stuff. And then uh, at some point I was like, you know, what? I'm just gonna go wear, wear my my 49ers. Do you think it marks you in an LA crowd, or do you think that enhances you because you don't care? So you wear a Giants jersey. It's not, I idiot. Don't you know where you are? Do you do you get heckled? Um, I've had it happen before. You, you know what's interesting is I've done Seattle and Seattle, San Francisco actually has a probably a more of a rivalry. At least at this point they did because this was during the Kaepernick days. Um, and I did Seattle in a 49er jersey, and I don't remember like not I bad. would get a little bit of the uh, uh, when I first mm-hmm. went up. But as long as I commanded the room, then there wasn't a lot of you know. And I, w- and I would address it, too. You have to address it right away. You have to say, yeah, I'm wearing this. You can't just go up there. Oh, this old thing? Yeah. Yeah. There's another one that's from Pumping Iron, the great movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Lou Ferrigno, uh, Franco Colombo, and every other bodybuilder of that time. Very famous, famous documentary. There's a point in the movie, and apparently this was actually a setup. The documentary filmmakers knew this would work. There was one of the guys. He was a cool dude. I can't remember his name, but he was a, like a principal in the Midwest, and he was a bodybuilder, and he came you know, he, to uh, compete in Mr. Olympia, and he had a shirt he wore all the time. It was just his shirt. It, was mm-hmm. his, his, it felt good in it. Well, one of the power, you know, one of the bodybuilders stole it. Oh, no. And they show him walking no. around going, anybody see, anybody see my shirt? Anybody see my shirt? And, and he looked rattled. He looked, and a lot of people say it threw him off. But what happened on all of that, the guy who stole the shirt in the documentary said for years afterwards when he got on stage, boo, boo, and people would hate him. And he said it was a prank, and it it ruined him for a while because people hated him because you took the shirt from the nice guy. who, And he said that absolutely branded him. And he said for him, Pumping Iron actually hurt his career, where everybody else, like Lou, yeah. became a star. Arnold definitely became a star. And other people really profited from it. But it was that superstition and comfort. And they had the camera on the guy, and he really looked out of his, what, what, would anybody see my shirt? Anybody yeah. see my shirt? And it bugged him. Well, do you remember the basis of the major motion picture uh, Space Jam? Do you remember what the movie was about? Aliens came down. Yeah, and they stole Michael Jordan's magic undershorts. Michael Jordan has a superstition. In every game he uh-huh. ever played, he wore his U, U, U University of North Carolina basketball shorts underneath his Bulls Wizards shorts. Wow! His entire career. So the Space Jam, the monsters went and stole. That's they, they stole his shorts. They stole. Oh his no shorts. no they didn't they didn't. That's not what it was. 
Jordan needed the tunes to go get his shorts in order for him to play against the monsters. Oh, okay. I apologize for the misinformation. So that was it's his superpower. Yeah, so he needed his shorts in order to take on the monsters who had stole the superpowers from Charles Barkley and Sean Bradley. You know how much superpowers are there. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Barkley, I give credit. The other guy, what? Yeah, how did that? Who were the main? It was, are those the three? It was uh, Ewing, Barkley. I know Muggsy Bogues was in there. Okay, I Bogues. remember seeing Vlade. Vlade was like on a smaller scale. Uh, but yeah, they did have like a, a few of the the great personalities, but yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got to love Barkley. Sean Bradley was great just because he's so tall. He has that visual of just being this really super long, lanky dude. So. And with Bogues around, the yeah. comedy ensued. Yeah. I don't know. Did you like it? Um, it was okay. Yeah. I definitely have no interest in seeing the LeBron no. Le- LeBron ger- uh, version. but Unnecessary. I watched it with the kids. The kids liked it. So and I think I probably liked it the first time I saw it. You know, there's a lot of cameos, so that makes it mm-hmm. kind of fun. Yeah, I don't think I was deep enough into the game. But again, the movie I did like and makes me think even more of Michael Jordan, a movie he wasn't in that was about him as heir uh, with oh, a right. shoe. Have you watched that yet? Yeah, I have. That was very good. Good. Yeah. And it was so well done. The thing that is weird about it, though, here you have the really the goat. I think you got to give it to him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's arguments here and there. But I was talking about that argument on the show a couple of days ago. And the argument is funny. No, Kareem's better than Jordan. Oh, no, no, LeBron's better than Jordan. No, no, Kobe's better than Jordan. The common denominator is always compared to Jordan. Right. And that's the funny thing about mm-hmm. the GOAT. It's never who's the greatest, Kareem or LeBron, ever. Yeah. It's always Jordan. So I'm thinking, hmm, what's the common denominator here? Maybe it is him. Yeah. And there's a really funny bit, and I don't know who the sportscaster was. It wasn't a bit. It actually happened. When uh, this uh, guy was saying that Michael Jordan couldn't put on LeBron's shoes or something like that. And Shaq pushes away and he's looking around and he goes, does anybody mind if I leave? Can I just leave this interview right now? And no, Shaq, don't do it. And he goes, I, what, what did you just say? And it, cause it was just so outrageous wow, that, yeah. yeah. And, and he's looking and the guy tries to come up with stats and then, Shaq threw back at him. But Michael always shows up. But the weird thing about the movie, and it is Beaverton, Oregon. It is Nike. There's no black people in it, except Mm -hmm. for the one guy who's a former player. Right. He was great. He works for Nike. Oh, the actor's name. Oh, God, he's so good. I can't think of his name. And he worked for Nike and the parents. Oh, Chris Tucker, yeah. Chris Tucker. That's right. So good in that. I was trying to realize, like, as a comedian, and I was shocked to see him in the movie. Oh, yeah, Chris Tucker. Come on, I'll give away one joke. When he's talking to Mr. Jordan especially about Mount Hood, they they've got a, a it's a hood it's a, and they're just laughing it was it was so funny the way that, that it was called Mount Hood right right, right in the hood and white people running around in the rain he said they're they they get out and they're running yeah. in the rain and they don't have to mm-hmm. and they're looking at each other like what the heck and it was just so funny but it's weird to think the power of basketball the man who saved basketball really yeah you know, for magic sure. and those guys really amped it up with a showtime against Larry and the crew but it was all Michael Jordan. Yeah, Nobody can deny. Yeah, with Larry Bird and Magic, anybody who had any kind of a knowledge of the game knew that they were special and it was mm-hmm. a special time. But when Michael Jordan came, you turned on um, daytime television. There was a Gatorade commercial with Michael Jordan's 
picture. You were seeing him in an underwear commercial. Yeah. You were seeing him everywhere you looked. He hosted Saturday Night Live. He did, you know, every he was out there, and he so he, he was more recognizable than anybody on earth for uh, probably the big the bulk of his career. And the funny when he did the shots with Larry. Oh, that yeah. the, as in basketball shots and I can make it in from here I can make it in from there so much stuff was funny on top of it but yeah so he's the dude and I highly recommend Air as we rambled through a lot of stuff I wonder if he had any superstitions or was he just too damn well, well definitely yeah, the shorts, that one the shorts. Yeah, he definitely but what would that mess him up on um, you know, what would that mess him up on I think that would be just a thing like having a family member in the stands or having a you know so maybe it would be just that just knowing it's not there just the feeling like there's a piece of you missing maybe like it's like a security blanket because I think again it's, oh that's right I'm Michael Jordan okay you know it's yeah. that he would be one of those guys that have that level of confidence and it's one of those things though if you believe it yeah and he was it uh, so that's it. Highly recommend Air. It's really, really good. And by the way, one of the greatest Saturday Night Live skits ever was the first Black Harlem Globetrotters, and that was Michael Jordan. Uh, and it was he played Sweet River Baines, fictional character, and uh, Phil Hartman played Abe Saperstein. Such a good. It was one of the best skits. It, it's. It probably won't play well for every single person because some people get really sensitive and have a hard time at laughing at everything. But boy, is it funny. God, is it funny. And what year would that have been? That was, it was in Michael's, the peak of his popularity. So I don't know what year it was, but I know it was, let's see, so Phil Hartman was in it. I know um, Rob Schneider was the radio guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I know the basketball players he was up against was like Mike Myers. And And we can YouTube this. Um, I'll send you a link. I don't think it's on YouTube because they're pretty tight with their stuff, but I did find it somewhere. I'll just have to figure out where I found it. Love to see it. All right, that's Um, it. All right. Well, thanks for listening to 1590 Afterwards. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share with all of your friends all this great fun so that we can keep bringing it to you.